0: This Torah class is brought to you by torahanytime.com.
1: A personal poem from me to you, and I hope you like it. My heart is with Hashem. My heart is with Hashem. He alone knows my conflicts and joys. It is he I turn to in times of trouble because it is only he that judges me, no other. It is he who comforts me in times of sorrow and his psalms that I read to lull me to rest then. Even if I am vilified by mankind, it will matter little because my heart is with Hashem. His heavenly heart is all. Yes, his heavenly heart is all.
0: it's getting better and better. Thank you, What? When is the book coming out? Soon. We want to get it out for Hanukkah, but she keeps writing new ones. we got to keep making, uh, okay. I told you we are going to make three. I have all your I have all your poems. Thank you, Grandpa. All the ones that you gave me, anyway. <laughs> Nancy, Nancy read a poem of uh, the beginning of our sha- uh, beginning of our Shabbaton. Okay, Ruv Shleimer for Miral Bas, Rachel. Ruv Shleimer for Liza Shlomit, and Rachel Hilda to read by Gula Leah. The Zika Bas Ira. Bet Tavulya, Bat Lisa. Rivah, Bat Esther. Shifrah, Bat Sarih, Sarih, Bat Luma. Khama, Bat Saraya. Zariah, Chaniyah, Bat Heya. Bluma, Bat Chavaleya. Bluma, Ratza, Bat Dina. Liyaz, Bat Sara. Marechai, Daba, Ben Lira, Zahava. Rachelina, Bat Luba, Luba, Bat Sara. Saray, Ben Sarih, Ben Weiner. Bat Bloria. Bar Bloria. Yo Ben Bloria. Rafal, Ben Ogo. Shimon Ossip, Ben Nama. Rafal, Ben Nami. Aliyazha, Ben Sarah and Yaakov ben Sara. Okay. Shabbat Shalom. It's early, but okay. Bas, okay. Ben Dorit, Bas, Geula, Mosheliez, Elaza, Ben, Miriam, Bella, Bas, Malka, Adin, Bas Edel, Calguritz, Bat, Chaya, Rachum, Enachem, Riva, Bas, Chaya, Khan, Abbas, Yabat, Sarol, Nassau, Dabitubi, Yabat, Sarai, Nechami, Yadavit, Ben, Sura, Nassau, Rufu, Okay. Yes, yeah. We need your list. You find your sitter? No,
1: but we, uh, all the papers
0: you gave me. Ah, okay, Good. So, good. Anyway, we want to thank everyone, we're not live tonight, but we want to thank everyone who uh, came on the Shabbaton, it was absolutely amazing, it was just a preparation for the girl's Shabbaton, which I'm sure, right, will be even more, which will be even more amazing in our Hashem. i like to say hello to Kansas, say hello to EZ from the five towns, a very special girl, and... Toronto, California, everyone gets annoyed when I leave them out. Lakewood, Muncie, Cleveland, Chicago, Baltimore, Eritreau, Florida, I think I left in LA. Alright, we're good? Yeah, I
1: couldn't find Did it say that. turnover? Have, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's the turnover. Okay, yeah. I could... Go you know, the side uh, of the
0: by, um, uh, Rabbi Yashav. Yeah. I don't know. ben Bina, Esther bas Leya, Shemcha bas Esri, Yessi ben Tzara, Avram Moshe, Monachai ben Tzara Beila, Avram ben Aviva, Yishava bas Tevorah, uh, Rav Yashav. Chama Chava bas Chana, and Shoshana bas Claudia. before ben Esther, Esri, bas Geula. Okay, so, is over. Hanukkah's never over, actually. And um, the light of Hanukkah should talk be lit a whole year for everybody. So 36 candles represent the 36, 36 hours of the hidden light, which um, it says that after Hanukkah goes into the Torah, goes into the Tefillah. So if you're still looking for those lights that you saw in the Hanukkah, they're always here, they're, in, they're hidden in the Torah, says Isaiah. Hidden in our davening. I'd like to talk a little bit about this is week's... Can we Kenzine.
1: don't talk because I went over said Could be.
0: Uh, it's, uh, I said could be. It's Shabbos. Right. Shabbos maybe. I don't know. The B'nai, B'nai sascha talks... the Okay. Yeah, listen, you, you know stuff I don't know. No. I know the B'nai, B'nai, B'nai sascha. I'm just saying. B'nai, B'nai sascha talks about the Kenz. I'm sure... I am sure that the Aragomist is in Shabbos, but... that it's in that it's in the... It's in the it's in the Torah, actually in the words of the Torah. But I'm sure it's on the Shabbat's Candles too. Um, anyway, so last week's Pasha, Pasha's Mikates, it talks about at the end of Pasha's Mikates that Yosef sets, there's a lot of different lessons, there's a lot of different lessons in last week's Pasha. But one of the lessons is that we know that, um, Yosef hid his cup, his cup, he had a cup. And the, the brothers were always wondering, How did he know all the stuff that he knew? He knew that there was brothers, he knew they were spies, he knew that that their father was up in Canaan. He knew when he sat them down at the table, he knew how to set up where they were sitting according to their age. So the brothers were always suspicious. Who is this guy? How does he have all this information? So what Yosef told him is that he has this cup, and there were big sorcerers, big magicians that were in Mitzrayim, and they would look into this cup, and he was able to see from this cup he was able to see like magical things. He would know what's going on by everybody's life. So they thought that he had this magical cup that he was able to look into. So Yosef told Menashe, his son, to take this cup and hide it in Benyamin's sack. And then on the way out of shrine, they're going to catch him. And when they catch him, they're going to bring Benyamin back. Now it's very interesting um, when, when, when Yosef told his son Menashe to do this, the Torah says, and he commanded the one that was on his house, that that ran the house. Doesn't say Manasha Right? The Mufarsh say, Who was that? It was Manasha Right? So Asher Al and he said, Fill it up, and and uh my my cup, put in the youngest one, put in uh in Benjamin." So he woke up the next morning, right? Uh, actually, he didn't wake up the next morning. He sent them after them, and they, kept, they caught up to them, and they said, We did you good. Why did you do bad to us? Nobody knew what he's talking about. What are you talking about? Don't, the, the cup that, 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 that our master drank from. Don't you know that he had magic and he was able to see everything? I did not know what he's talking about. So the brother said, "What do you, what do said actually? What are you talking these words? We would never, ever steal the master's cup, Yosef Atzaleh's cup. What are you talking about? Hey, don't don't you know?" That the 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 money that was put back in the bags the first time we went we returned. So Yehuda said, "If you find that cup amongst any of the servants, that person who you find it should die, and the rest of us will be servants." He was so sure that none of the brothers would ever steal a cup that he said, "Whoever you find the cup, I should die, and the rest of us should be servants." Okay. So he said, "I'm not looking for anybody to die, but when we catch the guy who stole the cup, he, he's going to be a slave." And they hurried up. And each guy took down his um, his his backpack. They opened it up, and of course, where did they find it? And they found it in a sack all the brothers ripped their clothing. They all got reloaded their donkeys. They went back to Mitzrayim. Yehuda and his brothers came back to the house of Yosef. House of Yosef Yehuda was still there. Was a fun of Arta, they fell on their faces before him. They said to him, what is this you did? You took you took my, so my cup? Yehuda, and Yehuda said, what should we tell you? Now here comes the big words. What are we going to tell you? What are we going to say? Hashem found the sins of your servants. We are all willing to be your servants, all, all the brothers, plus the one that you found, the cup, which was Binyamin, in his sack we just said that Manasha told them I don't need nobody to die I don't need nobody to be servants just the one that we catch so here Yehuda said no and the Major says he said that because he knew if all the brothers are going to get jailed they're going to end up breaking out end up destroying Mitzrayim so he said no take us all as of but Yomer so Yosef said to his brothers they all again they didn't know it was Yosef I should do such a thing the person that we caught with the with the cop, he'll be the servant, the and you guys go all back to your father. So all of a sudden, this week's pasha begins after that. That's the end of last week's pasha. And Yehuda approached him and he said, Be not we want, I want to talk in your ear. Right? Don't be angry. Paro says, Rashi, he said to me, threatened him. He said, just like I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill Paro. What happened all of a sudden from last week's parasha where Yehuda says that listen, Hashem found it, what should we do? And that we'll all be servants 2 I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill Paro. And we're going to wipe out the home of What happened all of a sudden? So the answer is as follows. Yehuda, when this whole thing happened, thought, and that's what he said in the passage, that we sinned to Hashem. What do you mean you sinned to Hashem? You stole the cup from him, from Yosef. Yehuda was saying, I This whole thing happened because we sold Yosef. So we deserve what's coming to us. We sold Yosef, and now we're all going to be servants. We sold him to Mitzrayim. We sold Yosef to Mitzrayim as a servant. Now, because of the cup situation, we're all going to be avadim in Mitzrayim. Makes sense that Hashem did Mitzrayim. We sold him to Mitzrayim. Now we're all sold to Mitzrayim. He's a servant of Mitzrayim. Now we're all servants to Mitzrayim. It made sense to him. So he said, we sent to Hashem. We deserve this. But when Yosef came back and said at the end of the Pasha, Yosef said, "Listen, I don't want any of you to be servants. The only I want, the only one I want to be a servant, is Binyamin." He just said, "Well, if that's the case, there's something very wrong here. This is not coming from Hashem, because Binyamin was the only brother who didn't sell me. So if it was coming from Hashem as a punishment for selling me." Then you would have kept all of us. So maybe you would have kept Binyamin too, because he was part of the brothers, even though he didn't sell them. But you're letting us all go free? And you're only keeping Binyamin? So then this is not a punishment for selling Yosef. If this is not a punishment for selling Yosef, then it's just about hating us, just punishing us, then this is not from Hashem. If this is not from Hashem... Then, the uh, Yigash, Elav Yehuda, Va'idav whispered in his ear, so if Hashem's not behind this, then we have nothing to worry about. We're gonna kill you, we're gonna kill Paro, we're gonna kill all the Mitzvahim. That's what turned, that's what changed. They were ready to accept it because they thought it was a punishment for what they did wrong. When they realized it wasn't a punishment for what they did wrong, it's some Jew hater, this, this, this Yosef, this guy who they didn't know was Yosef, this, the second in command to Paro, so we're gonna wipe him out! Very interesting, in Kinnis, on Tisha B'av, when we talk about the HaRud-e-Malchus, about or on Yom Kippur, the ten tzaddikim that were killed, who we know, they were killed because of the brothers selling Yosef. How do we know that? Because the Melech, the bad king, was reading the story of the selling of Yosef, and he said, how was he punished? And they said he wasn't. And he took out a room and he filled it up with shoes. And the reason he filled up the room with shoes is because when they sold Yosef... They didn't know what to do with the money because they didn't want to buy any food with it because they got money for selling their brother. So they didn't know what to do with it. So they looked for something really plain to use it for. And and, uh, and Hadar said they bought shoes. So the punishment was that when this guy, this king, when he said, there's a room full of shoes and I see that nobody was ever punished, I want to punish you. What was the answer that Rabbi Shmuel Qay and Gadol said? He told the king, I need to talk to the other rabbis and I need to find out if this is from Hashem. So he went up to Shemayim and he asked next to the curtain in Shemayim and he asked from Malachim, is it true? Is it supposed to be Xerah? Or is this just a Jew hater? If it's a Jew hater, we'll wipe him out. If it's Xerah from Shemayim, we'll accept it. And the Malach said, rabbis accept it, it's Xerah from Shemayim. Exactly what happened here happened over there. So over here, they said, Yehuda said, oh vey, it's exerted from Shema'im, we deserve it. But he saw that by the punishment that Yetziv wanted to do, that the only guy that didn't deserve it was getting it, which was Ben So he knew right away that this was not exered from Shema'im. So he said, I'll destroy my time. But when this happened many, many, many years later, by the Sarah Malchus, they had the same question. What The question was, is this from Hashem? If it's from Hashem, we're backing off, we're not doing anything. But if it's because this guy hates us, then we'll do what Yehuda did. So Yehuda went over to him and he said, I'm gonna wipe you out. What happens? What happens is as follows. So the whole time that Yehuda is talking to Yosef, and he's trying somehow to save his brother, right? So he goes back and repeats the whole story. You asked us if we have a father or a brother, and we told you, Yesh of we have an old father, and he has a young son. And his brother is dead, which he's talking about himself. And he was left alone. And if we don't bring him up, this is what he says, I would like to tell my master, this is Yehuda, talking to Yosef, without Yehuda knowing that it was Yosef. He says, My master, The young little boy, Benjamin cannot leave his father, because if he leaves his father, he's going to die. All right? But you told us that we need to bring him down. So we went to our father, and we said that we can't go back down without our son, without our brother. So he says to him, If I come to your servant, which you shouldn't have said, my father. And Benjamin is not going to be with us. The Benyamin's soul is tied into Yaakov's soul. If my father Yaakov will see that we don't bring back Minyamin, he will die. Okay. So he's, he's begging that he should let him go. Then he said something that hit a point by Yosef where Yosef could not control himself anymore from telling his brothers who he is. This whole discussion, he's being able to control himself. What did he say? He says as following in Pasik the last Patzik in Perik, Memdaalad. Ki Avi. How can I go up to my father, Rahana iti, if the youth is not with me, if Binyam is not with me? Panera Barra asher yimtza Avi. That I should be that I should see the evil that will befall my father, the pain that my father will have if I come up without Binyamin. When he said that, that triggered Yosef. And the next words in the next passage is, Yosef could not restrain himself anymore. He sent out all the, all the Egyptians. He made sure that nobody was in the room when Yosef decided to make himself known to his brothers. So what triggered Yosef all of a sudden that he could not control himself? Because he saw the hypocrisy of Yehuda. The whole time Yehuda was saying, "If my brother comes up, and my if my brother goes up, and my brother comes up, my brother gets if if, if you keep him and you don't let him up, and my father he's going to die. My father's is He kept talking about his father. And what he was telling about his father was true. He was saying, if my brother doesn't come up, my father's going to die. If my brother doesn't come up, my father's going to be in pain. If my brother doesn't come up, my father's not going to be able to handle it. So that was true. That wasn't hypocrisy. That wasn't hypocritical. It was true. If Binyamin wouldn't come back, Yaakov would die. He lost Yosef and Binyamin. would be able to handle it. So that Yosef could handle. But when Yehuda said, in that last passage, he says, how I see. Right? How could I go back to my father, Nenu iti, and the boy is not going to be with me? Not how can I go because my father is going to die? But he added, he said, to that I should see the bad that's going to happen to my father. Not that it's going to be bad, it's going to happen. How could I handle it? How could I let my brother stay here? Knowing that I'm gonna see my father in pain, how am I gonna handle it? it says Yosef yeah, to himself. What are you talking about, Yehuda? What are you talking about? How are you gonna handle your father's pain? Th- doesn't seem to have been a problem when you showed me. You didn't seem to have a problem with how you gonna handle watching your father in pain when my father said, cut off, cut off Yosef, and you took my jacket and you dipped it in the blood didn't seem to bother you then. So until now, it didn't trigger Yosef. Because until now, he was telling the truth. How can my father handle it? My father's going to die. he said, it's true. Chutzpah. Now you come and talk about yourself. You just said, how could I handle watching my father suffer? Oh, said Yosef. Don't give me. How are you going to handle it? You handled it ganz fine. Very well. When you sold me, all of a sudden it's how can you handle it? So he couldn't control himself anymore. He said, Now all of a sudden you're worried how my father's gonna handle it. You had no problem before with how your father how you were gonna be able to watch your father in pain. But what did Yosef do? To ever get that book out on DNA. This is like one of the biggest points in the book. It's in my notebook already, it's just not in the book. What did Yosef do? Yosef said, all Egyptians out of the room. Now you have to understand, if you read the Medrash, which I did a few years ago, there was a war going on in this room. Yehuda gave a yell, two buildings fell down. Menashe gave a yell, four buildings fell down. Yehuda, the hair of his chest went through his shirt, it says... Like mamish, like arrows, to show his strength. Menashe outdid him. Yehuda said, "I'll chop your head off." He said, "I'll chop your head off." It was mamish. Then Yehuda tried to get his sword out of his, out of his scabbard. It didn't come out. And Yehuda saw that something about this, this Menashe, this king's son over here, there's something Jewish. There's something that doesn't make sense because he was using all types of Jewish words and all types of stuff, and and everything he used, Menashe was able to, to get rid of. So there was a big war going on here in this room. And who was protecting Yosef? He had a bunch of Egyptian soldiers plus Menashe and Ephraim. He sent them all out of the room. Sent Menashe out of the room, sent Ephraim out of the room, sent all the Egyptians out of the room, he sent everybody out of the room. And he was left alone with 11 of the strongest people in the world who were out to kill him. And he knew he was putting his life on the line for one reason. Not to embarrass his brothers who sold him as a servant. First they tried to kill him and then they sold him. So it wasn't good brothers. It wasn't like he owed them not to embarrass them. But he said, how can I embarrass my brothers? I'm putting my life on the line. I'm here alone now. No Menashe, no Ephraim, no no one else but me and my brothers. Because I can't embarrass them in public. The same guys that sold me down the river. And he put his life in danger to be killed. Because once everybody was out, there was no one to protect Yosef. Girls, where did that strength come from?
1: <laughs>
0: Came from his mother, Rachel. Because Rachel Yemenu also was willing to give up her life not to embarrass her sister. So, because she was willing to give up her life, not to embarrass her sister, her spiritual DNA was that strong that her son Yosef had the same spiritual DNA. I will not embarrass my brothers, even though they deserve to be embarrassed. I will put my life on the line, not to embarrass. Where did that strength come from? It came from Rachel Imenu, because Rachel Imenu knew that. Yaakov Avinu kept the mitzvahs when he was in Israel. Which she knew that when he married both sisters, we know, according to the Torah, you're not allowed to marry two sisters. So he was only allowed to, only allowed to marry those two sisters because sisters he was outside of Eretz Yisrael. So Rakhlimenu knew that the second sister to get married, that's the one that wasn't allowed. The first one did nothing wrong. The first one was a, was a girl. The next one is a sister. So she knew, when she gave the simanim. To a sister Leah, that her sister Leah would get married first, that's okay. But the second marriage, that's the one that's usher. That's the one that's not allowed. And that would be her. And therefore, the minute they would come into Israel, who would die? She would die. Because the second one is the one that did the wrong once you're in to Israel. And Yaakov can't be married in Israel to two sisters. And she also knew that the one that's not allowed to be married to him in Israel... Cannot be buried with him in Israel. So she knew she was giving up her place in the Mars Machpelah next to her husband Yaakov. She knew all this! She knew that she was going to give up her life because the minute she got in territory she couldn't be married to him. She knew that forever she would not lay next to him in the Mars Machpelah because she was the one that was married to Isser. But her sister should not get embarrassed For one second, she gave her the Simana. And that power and that strength of giving up my life and giving up my husband and giving up everything so that my sister should not get embarrassed was given over to her son that I would give up my life and I would do anything so that my brothers don't get embarrassed. Mamish, the exact same thing. That's the power of a parent. But what you do in life to give that power and that strength and that DNA to your children. So he threw everyone out of the room. And now, it's Yosef alone with his brothers. There's two psukim here in this week's Pasha that teach us one of the most important lessons of life. Listen carefully. And Yosef said to his brothers, Ani Yosef. I am Yosef. Ha'od Avichai, is my father still alive? his brothers could not answer him. Because they were, the word word that he uses is disconcerted, but it means they were so scared, they were so embarrassed, it was was such a a moment that they couldn't answer. They they lost their breath. And the Medjish says actually that the Neshamas went out. And then Hashem had to put the Neshamas back. They were totally shocked. Totally shocked. Now, what did he say here? He said, I need Yosef. I am Yosef. How old are we? High? is my father still alive? What do you mean? For the last 25 sukim, all Yehuda keeps saying is our father is old and he's living in Israel. If we don't bring him back our brother, he's going to die. He's going to be like Yosef. He's going to die. And it's going to bother me if I see his pain. Uh, and our, our father is old a hundred times it says that so now Yosef should have said I need Yosef you knew your father was still alive I just whispered in your ear that I cannot go back to Israel without Ben because my father's going to die and I'm going to be in pain watching my father die what kind of question is this? so we know that Chazal says it wasn't a question it wasn't a question it was a statement you're coming here the whole time Yehuda and what are you telling me? That you're worried about, Father, that you're going to bring back, not going to come back, that he's going to die. Who are you saying this to? This baloney story that you're saying. I need Yosef. I'm the guy. I'm Yosef. And isn't Father still alive? You weren't worried about it when you sold me? That's what he said to them. He said, I am Yosef, and you know what? Your whole life that you lived till now, Shifteeka, is a lie. You made a bezdin. You judged me. You came out with a halacha. You Paskin that I deserve to die. You Paskin, that I deserve to be sold, because I spoke It was wrong. Your whole life till now. you're living a lie. You're living something that's false. Your judgment was wrong. I need you're Remember my dream? Eleven bushels are going to bow down to me. Well, guess what? It came true. You all bowed down to me. So everything that you lived till now was false. Well, Yachal is a man when a person finds out that their whole life they lived false. They have nothing to say says the Medjrabah, They, when a person comes after 120 years to the next world and they find out all the fun and all the partying was wrong. Even though they rationalized it their whole life why it wasn't. The Akhulfamaya, when a person stands in front of Hashem, he'll have no answers. When he realizes the MS, says oh, the Medrash. "Oh, lolly, the am Look at these brothers. They stood in front of a human being who said your whole life was a lie. And they couldn't answer. They couldn't catch their breath. They looked in a shama. Imagine when a person stands in front of Hashem and he realizes that all that stuff you did your whole life, you made up stories, you figured it out, you rationalized why it's not so bad, be, 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 be. and then you come up and you find out that your whole life you lived a lie. It's a Medrash. But then, all of a sudden, it changes drastically. And the next Pasik right, They couldn't answer. Yosef <speaking in> El <Hebrew> Yosef said to his, brother, his brothers. Brothers are like standing; they're just standing. They're frozen. They're frozen. They're totally frozen. Yosef <speaking in Hebrew> come, come close to me. <speaking in> By <Hebrew> they approached him. But Yomer and he said, "I am Yosef, your brother that you sold to Mitzrayim. Don't worry, don't get upset. The reason I was sold was not because you wanted to sell me, because you couldn't do anything if Hashem didn't want it. Hashem sent me down here. Hashem sent me down here to Mitzrayim to feed the world. What happened all of a sudden?" Huge change. First, he seems to be speaking angry. I need Yosef! I'm Yosef! You worried about our father? Isn't he still living? You sold me, you didn't care about it. Your whole life is a lie. All your cheshbeitis that you came up with, your rationalizations, they're all a lie. And they stood there like, uh. And then he says to them, Eli, come close. Well, you goes through, they come close. And he changes what he says. He says, I need Yosef Achichem. Before he said, I need Yosef. I'm Yosef. Now he says, I need Yosef Achichem. I am Yosef, your brother. He added the word Achichem. Hashem, he told me to Mitzrayim, but don't worry about it. It's not your fault. I was sold to Mitzrayim in order to save the world. What happened? What happened? What happened? He was just yelling at him. He was just screaming at him. you was just telling them your whole life is a lie. And all of a sudden, come here, come here, come here. Come close. My brothers. I'm your brother. Don't worry about it. It's not your fault. Everything's okay. What happened between these two psukim? Between screaming at them and yelling at them? And all of a sudden, my brothers, come close. Don't worry about it. It's all by share. In one, in one second? So I'll tell you a story that happened to me. What? Yeah, but didn't, the kid didn't run. He said, Eli. He told them, come come here. They, 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 didn't, they didn't do this on its own. So I'll tell you, amazing tarot, and I think it'll change everybody's life that he has this year. So I was a Rebbe for 30 years in Kranach, Yeshiva, 8th grade. And I gave my kids, my students, everything. We played football. We went to Kosher delight. I brought them every morning. We brought. I had 15 kids in my class, let's say. I brought three boxes of Entenmann cupcakes. You know, the ones that thick chocolate on top and the cream in the middle, which I don't think they make anymore. It was like amazing. You first, you peel the chocolate off. So before I stopped eating Chalavakum, right? Peel the chocolate off, then you ate the, it was like, it was a whole way of eating that. It was like, you ate one of those, it filled you up, it was amazing. What a coffee or a, a chocolate milk like. So every single day, i go across the street, and after davening, I would buy them three boxes of, of, these, of these cupcakes, and everybody would get one, and I would get, I also loved it, and I would have one. So they, they all ate it by, right away after davening. I didn't. I waited always after recess. Recess, I came up with a tea, and I had that cupcake. That's what I always had. Okay. One day, I go to recess, I come back up, Cupcake's gone. Just the paper. (laughs) Got the cupcakes in. Sitting on my desk with a couple of crumbs. I'm like, you can take my house. You can take my car. You cannot take my cupcake. So, my reaction was very severe because I could not get over that a kid who knows that his rebbe eats this after recess would actually go into my mouth and take a cupcake out of my mouth. I mean, that was like, like that was like, if you would have stole my money, I said, "You need money." If you if you put a thumbtack on my chair, okay, that's funny.
1: <laughs> you know,
0: try to hurt the rebbe. Okay, I can handle that. That's all. That's mischief. The kids do mischief. You went on my desk. You ate my cupcake and left me the paper? No. I'm not putting up with that. So, I told the class, that until the boy who ate my cupcake admits it, this class is not having any recess. And I just want you to know that I'm extremely, extremely hurt. And there's no kosher delight. I will never buy a cupcake again for this class. And I was just like, I, I was in such rage, like... I was going to say, you can't ever eat again, period. You know? <laughs> I was like, well, I was personally, personally very hurt. I mean, come on. You go into your, you go, you go your mower's pocketbook and take out her food, her, her tuna fish sandwich and eat it? I mean, that's like, it's, like, it's like unheard of. And, 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 the, and the worst part is I bought them. They got theirs. It's not like I was the only one who had one. They ate theirs already. I was beyond myself. Now, I have to tell you that when I first started teaching, I had a very old principal. I was short old, and he told me when I, I didn't know, I was nine, I was 20 years old, I never taught before. I said, give me some tips in teaching. You know, this was a Rebbe who was a Rebbe for 60 years. So I'm like, give me some tips in teaching. He said, there's one thing you need to know. When you teach, don't take it personally. So I was like, well, you know, Rabbi Shrey was from the war, from the Holocaust. I'm like, well, I'm the new type of kind of Rebbe. I'm just the opposite. I take it very personally. Each kid, if you see a kid walks in, I thought he was trying to tell me, like, be cold, you know, teach and leave, like a professor. Walk in, teach a class, and leave. That was the European way. You didn't get involved with the kids. So that's what, that's what he was telling me. I was very hurt. I was like, if a kid walks in, he has a headache, or I see he doesn't look good, I'm going to ask him, what's going on at home? What's wrong with you? Just the opposite. I'm going to be very personally involved with all my kids. I didn't stop what he was saying. And I said to him, I said, no, I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to be just the opposite. I walked away. I was like, this is an old European rabbi. Don't take it personally. You have to take your kids personally and everything that goes on in their life, you have to be involved in it, you have to help them. Totally misunderstood what he was saying. So I went nuts. So finally, the class gave up the kid. And I knew exactly who ate my donut, my cupcake. In fact, it was still choking on his teeth.
1: <laughs>
0: I called him out of class into the hall and I went Ballistic. I'm like, you went into my mouth <laughs> and took my food? You know and this kid happened to have done a lot for. Do you know what I did for you? You're an animal. How could you do something like this? What's wrong with you? What are you thinking? Why don't you ask me? Tell me, Rebbe, I'm hungry. I want to give it to you. You went to my desk, you're a gunaf? And then you leave me the paper just to shove it in my face? <laughs> Maybe I should clean up after you ate my cupcake. I should clean it up. I don't want to ever see your face in my class again. <laughs> a person with such coffee, how can I look at you? You go to 7th grade with half a year in, finish in 7th grade, I'll graduate you. I have no problem. You'll graduate with the rest of your graduate. But in my class, English, you'll be in 8th grade and I cannot look at you. I can't. How can I look at you after you did that to me? I can't. And therefore, it's not fair teaching you. If I feel like that about you, it's not fair for me to teach you. Go to seventh grade, finish your year there. I don't have anything to do with you. I am Dunsky. Dunsky means done with you, for all those who don't know what that means. That was it. And there was nobody that was going to calm me down. It's like, there's a certain guy, street, Ball player, there's certain, there's just certain things you just don't do. And this is one of them. There's a lot of things we got away with and I, I didn't care if the kid did it. I don't care if he would have blown up the school, wouldn't have bothered me at all. Really, wouldn't have bothered me. But take my cupcake? No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you,
0: you just, you just don't do it. It sounds like a very little thing to you, but in a guy world, you just, you just, it's like eat to brute and Caesar. It's like, don't stick the sword in my back. If you're coming at me, then let me see the sword. Don't stick it in my back. Was the only part of Caesar, that whole Shakespeare that I ever remembered, when his best friend stabbed him in the back. Because that's not, that's something that by guys, you just, you just don't do that. You just don't do that. You starve before you eat someone else's cupcake. You just don't do it. And someone that the hand that feeds you, you don't bite. It just, it it just, I was, as I'm saying it, I remember how angry. I'm still angry. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't eat cholovakim, and I don't eat cupcakes still bothers me. How could a kid do that? Okay. So they all tried, all the good teachers, everybody, Rabbi Wallerstein, Rabbi Wallerstein, have Rahmanus, have pity. i went like, get out of my face. Okay? He's not coming back into my class. And I went home that night. And Rabbi Shroy said to me, started to roll my head a little bit. Don't take it personally. And I said to myself, Wallstein, hold on a minute. Ask yourself a question, and whatever the answer to this question is, that's, that's how you're going to treat this kid. What happens, the exact same story would have happened, but it wasn't my cupcake. There was another kid in the class who had a cupcake on his desk, and we came back from recess, and his cupcake was eaten. But all said, "How would you have reacted? Would you have said, whatever see my class? You took this food out of this kid's mouth? How could you do something like that? Or would you have said, kid, get over it. He took your cupcake. We'll punish him. He stole. Right? He'll have to buy you another cupcake. And no recess for a week, whatever it is. But I definitely would not have reacted. I can't look at the kid's face anymore. And I can't let him into my class anymore. So I began to realize, because I always worked on myself, I began to look in the mirror and say, the reason you're angry, because you took it personally. He took your cupcake. Not because he took a cupcake. He took Rabbi Wallerstein's cupcake. And I'm Rabbi Wallerstein. And I'm controlling this class. And I'm taking it personally. He said, Hirani, Mukhanim, Zumin. I'm preparing myself, Lakayim, to aggravate my rabbi. No, he was a mischievous kid, whatever it is. He showed the cupcake. He said, Ah, Rebbe, Rebbe, Shmebi. And he ate my cupcake. Because that's what I would have told another kid. He took my cupcake. Ooh. Uh, 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 uh. I don't want to see your face again. So I realized it wasn't the cupcake. It was me. So I came back to the school the next day and I said, 100%. We've been any other kid in the class. There's no Shiloh. Would have never punished him that he has to be in seventh grade the rest of the year. No way. The first time that a kid took a bag of potatoes from another kid or something else like that, took his lunch or whatever it is. Not unheard of. It has to be punishment. It's not unheard of. But I can't come back to class. I don't want to ever see your face. It was because he did it to me. I took it personally. Rabbi Schreit said, if you want to be a good teacher, don't take it personally. When a kid does something wrong in class, when they're sleeping in your shear, when they're doing something wrong, it's not to hurt you. They're hurting themselves, but they don't walk in and say, I want to hurt hurt my teacher. Don't want to have a good time. As the same thing with bringing up children. The reason we react to our kids when they do something wrong, how do you do this to me? You know how much money I spend on you? You know how much time I spend on you? You know what you're doing to your father? You know what you're doing to your family? You know what you're doing to your sister shidduch? Do you know what you're doing to everybody? But if you would hear the same story about a girl treating her mother down the block that way, you'd say, listen, she has a tough life, her find out what's really going on, just a symptom, her behavior, what's going, what, But she did it to me, and I'm her mother, and she's affecting the whole family, she has to be punished severely. Same as my reaction. Because we take what our kids do personally. And teachers take what their kids do during class personally. And if I'm giving a shear, and I'm jumping up and down, and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, and while I'm giving the shear, there's a girl sitting in the shear and she's texting. She's texting while I'm giving the shear. So I should react. I should get crazy. Look what you're doing in my shear. Rabbi Wallace is giving the shear and you're texting. What a chutzpah. No. That's if you take it personally. Maybe she's texting something important. Maybe she's a doctor's assistant changing appointments. <laughs> So if it was Rabbi Freeman giving the share and she was texting, I wouldn't react that way. I wouldn't get so upset. I'd say, listen, it's Rabbi Freeman's share. She must have something more important than the share. Listen, don't get crazy. Don't get all bent out of shape. Ooh, she's texting in your share. So you think while she's texting, she's saying, I want to aggravate him. She's hoping that I didn't see it. She was hoping I didn't see it. So she definitely didn't do it to aggravate me. That's for sure. So, So calm down, man. Chill. She didn't do it to hurt you. And that's why parents react and teachers react in the way, exactly what Rabbi Shroit said, because they take it personally. Because we think that they're doing it to us. They're not doing it to us. Now we understand the whole Pasha. No, you Yosef's first reaction was, I need Yosef! I'm taking it personally. I am Yosef! You sold me. How Did you care about our father? So his first reaction was, I need Yosef. The minute it's, I need Miriam, and I need Chani, and I need Ima, and I need Morel, the reaction is, bang. You're hurting me personally. So Yosef's first reaction was, a very tough one. I need Yosef. I'm Yosef. And look what you did to me. Hawara Michai, is still alive? But he realized at that point that he was taking it personally in the reaction, so he changed it. And in the next Pasuk, he said, Geshunai, come over here, come close to me. They came close and he said, No, 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 no. I need Yosef, Achichen. I am Yosef, your brother. It's not a personal thing. I'm not taking it personally. Oh! You're not taking it personally, Yosef? You're not taking it personally? So the process continues, Yosef says, if I'm not taking it personally, and it's about somebody else, then I shall And you didn't really want to sell me, but you have to come down to Mitzrayim in order to feed the world. Once you remove yourself from the, the situation then you get to see the real situation so in the beginning he did it he said I need Yosef what did you do to me my dream came true that you're all going to bow down to me what did you do to me but then he said no 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 no. I need you safe. it's not what you did to me you didn't do it to me you did it because you said you were doing the right thing and really it was the right thing because in the end he said it was the right thing because in the end the, the, how the means justify the ends or the ends justify the means or whatever it was in the end look what happened I saved the whole world what a crazy lesson in life when you take things personally it's a very different reaction when you remove yourself and as a parent and, and Rabbi Greenwald says over a story Ronnie Greenwald who's my who's my uh, principal who's my dean he says over a story in his school in MAG. In Muncie, he had a school in MAG, called MAG. And uh, there were girls like my Benochaia girls, you know. They didn't always listen to everything. And one day, he hired his teacher, and he said, you know, after like two, three weeks of his teacher teaching, the teacher knocks on his door. I'm like, Greenwald, it's me or her. So Ronnie Greenwald says, you or who? What? She goes, this girl walks into my class every morning. Her button's open. And I tell her, close the button. And she closes it. And then the next morning she comes back to school and her button's open again. And I tell her, close it. And she closes it. And the next morning her button's open again. And this is going on for three weeks. Rabbi Greenwald, it's her or me. Every single day I tell her to close the button. She closes it the next morning. What a chutzpah. So it's either her or me. He says, why are you getting so bent out of shape? She says, because how could she do this to me every day?
1: Me.
0: How could she do this to me every day? Every day. I have to put up with this. Close the button, open the button, close the button, close the button. Close the button every single day. I mean, this is Meshigar. How can I teach a kid like this? So Rabbi Greenwald, Ronnie Greenwald, said to her. He told over the story. I heard it 20 times. So he said to the teacher, what she's doing to you? if you tell a girl to close the button and the next morning it's open, and then you tell her to close the button and the next day it's open, and then you close the button and the next day it's open, it's going on for three weeks didn't you get that that's not working? <laughs> <laughs> he said just the opposite, after the first week, why don't you go over to her and ask her so what's going on in your life, how come you keep closing it and the next morning you keep opening it what's, what's the what's the reason, what's the, what's the rebellion what's going on what are you struggling with? He says, "Did you ever ask her what you're struggling with?" No, because she did it to me. He says, "You're 100% right." Ronnie said, "Rabbi Greenwald said you're 100% right. It's either her or you. It's you. Have a good day. <laughs> you're fired." And he let her go. You're gonna teach her. You're gonna teach her my school, and you're gonna have a girl that for three weeks this is going on, and you're busy with. Don't you do it to me, Rabbi? Don't you do it to me? She makes me nervous! Really? What is she doing to her? And we have this... I talk to parents about this all the time. Kid does something totally... Mechala Shabbos. Smoking on Shabbos. Texting on Shabbos. The reaction to that is... You're just doing it to the family! We're never going to get Chiduchim! You're doing it to your father! He's getting sick, and me, and da, 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 And it's all about everyone else. And this poor kid, not this poor kid, but she's only doing it to get attention from her parents. Who's getting the attention? The father, the mother, the sister's not getting the shidduch, the family name, right? Everybody's getting the attention, but the girl is trying to get the attention. Instead of the mother saying, you know what you're doing to you? Chana, why are you texting on child? Let's talk about what's going on. Where is the rebellion coming from? Why are you angry at Hashem? What's bothering you? And you'll find out what's really going on. Instead of saying, so what happens? You don't give her the attention. You give everyone else the attention. Dad, and we do to mom, and grandma, she heard about it. She's sick in the hospital, so the kid is already depressed. She should be more depressed because now she caused her whole family to die. You know, like, because she's walking around. Oh, my God, look what I just did, you know? So what does she do? She does something even crazier to try to get attention. She does something terrible to try to get attention. And the reaction gets even worse. Oh, that wasn't bad enough? Now your sister Shidduch is really never going to happen when they hear about you. Until finally Chas v'Shalom, she does something so crazy that she gets all the attention as they put her body into the ground. Chas v'Shalom, and everybody wakes up. Shalom aleichem. She didn't do it to us. She was doing it to herself the whole time. Too late. Too late. So Rabbi all the Shalom, don't take it personally. Someone hurts you. Don't take it personally. They don't want to hurt you. There's something going on in their life. Wow! Became a different Rebbe after that day. Different Rebbe. You can take my cupcake. I'm not going to get bent out of shape. (laughs) And that was the lesson here. I need Yosef. If I'm Yosef, ha'od chai. I have no room for you guys. And they couldn't deal with it. And the neshamas left them. And then he, when he saw that the neshamas left him, he said, no, I can't deal with them like this. He didn't do it personally. They made a bezdin. The taka lived a lie. The taka made a mistake. They made a bezdin. Geshun Eli, come close to me. And he said, then achichem. By the way, very big lesson in Chinuch and in kirov. And in kirov. And something that I, that I actually spoke about today with parents and a daughter. It's very nice to tell your kids I love you. And you're special. And you're the most important thing in my life. That only works after Gishuna Eli. He didn't say Achichem. He didn't call them brothers till he came close, till he said, Come close to me. First, you have to get close to the person in action. Then you can tell them you're their brother or you're their mother or you love them or you care about them or they're the most amazing thing in the world. He didn't he didn't say, I need Yosef Achichem. He first said Gishuna Eli. First, let's let's get close. Then you can tell me that you're a that you're my brother. You're screaming at me? You're yelling at me? I need your oh you I'm dying. I'm losing my breath. I have no answer. Kashuna lie. You want me to come close to you? Then you can say, I need Yosef. a Then you can be somebody's brother. Then I'll listen to you tell me, Hi, you're my favorite daughter, you're my special daughter, I love you very much. Not while you're screaming at me. I'm your mother! Why'd you do that to me? When the last part of the sentence ends up with the word to me, you're wrong. You're wrong. And that's what, that's what ticked off Yosef. When, when Yehuda said, Do you know what it's going to do to me to watch my father suffer? That was the button that they pushed by Yosef. And that button can't be pushed. When you end that word with me, it's no good. There's one other thing. Before he told them that everything's been a Hashemayim, he called them A-ni Yosef, I am Yosef, your brother. It's just a lesson in bringing up children and a lesson in being a teacher and a lesson in being a wife and a lesson in being a husband. There's a very secret word in here when you tell the person when you, even when you're angry and you're screaming at them but when you in your screaming at them if you have to you also mention your relationship with them the whole thing comes out differently he was giving them Musr, but he said now I'm your brother so when you're yelling at your child let's say your son, he did something wrong and your son's name is Chaim and you're really angry and you say me, Chayim. You already came down 10 octaves. When you're screaming at him, you saying, Chayim, how can you do something like that? That's one thing. When you say, my son, Chayim. The minute you say, my son, it comes down 10 octaves. The minute you say, my son, Chayim, what's going on? <laughs> Try it, you'll see. The minute you talk about the relationship that you have with the person, automatically the anger level and the voice level comes down. When someone's screaming at his wife, Chatz something should never happen. His wife's name is Yehudis, right? Yehudis, you made a mess out of everything! How can you do this? Right? If you say, my wife, Yehudis," you, you can't even say. You can't. Once you say, my wife, Yehudis," like, how can you do that? It sounds stupid. You say, my son, Chaim, it sounds stupid when you're just going to start screaming and yelling. My daughter, Miriam, you can't. You know, come over here. My daughter Miriam, ah, it doesn't work. But Miriam it works. Miriam, what are you doing? You're crazy, you're making me quit right that you can do. The minute you say wait the minute you say the, the relationship between you and that person in between the person's name comes down twenty octaves, ten octaves, twenty octaves. You can't even do it anymore. So when Yosef said, My brothers, the whole tone of everything changed. And that's that Give me a lot of secrets. You don't have to buy a book. You don't have to buy a tape. You don't have to go to a therapist. You don't have to go to college and learn for two years some psychology. on how to deal with kids. This is very, very simple. Don't take it personally. You'll have a good marriage. You'll have a good relationship with kids. You'll be the most amazing mora. You'll be the most amazing rebbe If you don't take it personally. And 99.999% of the time, the person who does what they do wrong, it's not about you you are not saying, mukham, zoom in. I'm coming home tonight to aggravate my mother. There are a few like that, but not many. They're coming home an hour late, not to aggravate you, because they were having a good time. They forgot to call. You think they're sitting there? I'm not calling. Ooh, she's nervous. Mukham, zoom in, to make my mother nervous. <laughs> no, for sure not. They're not thinking. It's a very different reaction than how'd you do that to me for an hour and make me suffer? It's a very different reaction. So I need Yosef, and I need Yosef, I am Yosef, your brother, and I am Yosef. It's two totally separate words. And that's what we learned from two psukim. Just, it's just two psukim in the chumash. So those are the lessons that we need to learn tonight. Number one, DNA. That whatever you do, Rockly Imenu was willing to give up her life, not to embarrass his sister. Yosef was willing to give up his life not to embarrass his brothers, even though even after what they did to him. Don't take anything personally. Don't take it personally. And if you have to criticize someone, always mention the relationship before the person's name to you. That will change. That will totally change the whole criticism. And the fourth thing that everyone should re- leave here remembering: never, ever, steal from the Wallsteins' cupcake. <laughs>